Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 309, covering Unimatrix Zero, Part 2, and Imperfection. And after a wonderful week-long break of not watching Unimatrix Zero. There's more Unimatrix Zero. Unimatrix Zero emerges like... As if as if by dream magic. <laughs> like a xenomorph bursting from the chest of John Hurt. Uh, hi, friends. It's us again. One more. This is the last season. This mm-hmm. is this is only 20 however many episodes they made is all we got. And uh, we will never again have to watch a Voyager season premiere. Yep. This we'll is, never have this to get in and watch an episode of Voyager. Well, soon. Uh-huh. We still got it could get real, real bad in the next uh, in the next 13 weeks or whatever Ugh, it is. Man. Between now and June. Yeah. We get all March, April, May to cover the rest of Voyager. And yeah. Uh, let's just jump right in. Yeah, please. Instead of doing our instead of doing our opening little banter, let, let, let's just tear this band-aid off. Let's not talk as much as possible now. <laughs> no, let's get it over with. And then have our fun talk after after we've done the unpleasant thing. Here we go. Last time on Star Trek Voyage. Oh god. I've had almost two full weeks where I didn't have to think about this. Where the hell did we leave off? Oh right. We took one of the most tense and memorable cliffhangers Star Trek has ever done, Captain Picard being turned into Locutus, and cheapened it by doing the exact same thing to not just the captain, but three characters on this stupid show. Does it matter that they're three of this stupid show's better characters? Why no, it does not! Anyway, it's okay, they're still individuals because the doctor injected them with some kind of magic bullshit anti-assimilation bullshit, which, if I haven't been completely clear about this, is total bullshit. They proceed to infect the weirdly smooth cube they're hanging out on with some kind of dumb virus that has something to do with the titular Unimatrix Zero, that dream realm where one in a million Borg can secretly chill out and do whatever the fuck it is this place has to offer. So while Tuvok struggles with actually being for real assimilated, Seven continues to frolic in the ethereal plane where her fellow dreaming Borg are organizing into a faction of, you guessed it, filthy rebels. Incidentally, my things I hate to see in Star Trek Bingo Guard is completely full now. Like, not just down one column. The whole damn card is now completely illegible because I've stamped every square on it at least twice. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Queen continues doing all that stuff that Matt talked about in his bad thing last time. Wringing her hands, cackling gleefully, calling the drones fools, and addressing the collective through that weird snakehead microphone that came with the Snake Mountain playset. <laughs> she also makes a special effort to taunt a holographic copy of Janeway that she's created for... reasons? Also, the Queen visits Unimatrix Zero, where if you kill someone in the dream, they die in real life, because of course that's how it fucking works. Then the rebel Borg helps save the day, and the day is saved. Long-time listeners may find themselves thinking this is one of my more disjointed summaries, and they would not be wrong to think that. But I just report on what I see, folks. You can't polish a turd. And this summary is the brown-streaked rag that de- definitively proves that point. Ugh, this thing I just polished sucked. a turd. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly, like, I watched it, like, a day ahead of you. Yep. And, and you're like, oh, here we go. And I just said, more of the same, mm-hmm. which is pretty much sums yep. it up. It's exactly what you think it is, more. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it, and I said this on Twitter too. If if we did number ratings, my entire review would be Unimatrix Zero. Yep. <laughs> Graphics Unimatrix Zero. Fun factor Unimatrix Zero. <laughs> sound and sound. <laughs> sound. Sure. All right. I did notice they they put that weird effect on. I think Balana. Yep. Or she sort of sounded like this, and <laughs> they didn't do it to Kate because I think just. You wouldn't be able to understand her. Because she already sounds like that. Oh my god, like, you're turning into a robot. It would be like canceling out the waveform and she just wouldn't make noise. It's a high-pitched whistling for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Captain, what do you think? Oh, she's connecting to AOL. I just, like, there was almost nothing redeemable about this. This thing, I like... It's just it like just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. You know, and, like constant, yep. unending nothing. Just repeating. I'm sorry, I'm being hassled by a cat. I hear that. Your cat clearly didn't like it either. Anyway, yeah, nothing nothing of value happened in this. Nothing happened. They ran in place for, you know, forty five minutes and this it was terrible. Like I wanna say that it it could have been a one part episode, but honestly I don't wanna watch that episode either. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Not. Like it's just so much, and it the the they put so much like it's supposed to be so important. Yeah, and I just it's so it's I I hate Unimatrix Zero. It's just a big forest chat room for Borg. It doesn't be, again, like I said last time. Most of my problems with this are the same problems I had before because mm-hmm. they didn't fix them and they made them worse. Like I don't have a lot new to say about this. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense to me that they have this escape, but then they go back to the collective and forget they were there. What is even the point? Like, do they remember when they get back in? Like, what? I guess so. So it seems like Seven uh, has always been an individual for part of her day (sighs) all this time, and I hate that. That takes so much from the character. It does. It takes, I mean, we we talked about this last time, and it just, this, this ruins the Borg as a villain so much. I it that bothers me less because a couple of listeners said this is basically it as far as interacting with the collective go. Like next episode we have some Borg stuff, but it's largely just seven and not the actual collective. Sure. And I've been told that the collective turns up one last time in the finale and that's it. Uh-huh. So like if they're going away anyway, then I don't really care what happens. Like Let's, kill them we'll or whatever. Burn the Borg down. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But on the other hand, it was such a cool idea. Why would you mess it up? And mm-hmm. The thing is, Brandon Braga wrote, like, co-wrote both of these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear. There were a lot of cooks in this in this shit soup. Like, oh, yeah. There were the, like, the, there were like uh, seven writers thing. names. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever this whenever they have to make the font so small, you have to walk up to the screen to, like, see all the names. That's not a good sign. Usually yeah, the written by uh, Chiron yeah. looked like the fucking opening of a Star Wars movie. Yeah. You had to scroll to see everybody's name. That's not a good sign. Also, but the they thing played is, the Star Wars music for some reason. It was really confusing. <laughs> But Braga, like, I don't think he co-created the Borg, but he definitely helped flesh them out. Like, sure. he's the co-writer of, of First Contact, where they conceived the Queen. Like, mm-hmm. he's, th- this isn't like he went and ruined someone else's idea. He's contributed large chunks of, like, what the Borg are already. So, like, he messed up his own idea. Well, I mean, you know, it totally just sounds like, you know, that, that uh, what he talks about in the book, just, I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> Another I Borg know. episode. Um, but we, we've talked about this all along. They've so rarely, like, all the Borg stories to this point have been pretty good. Yeah. 
and they've used them sparingly. We only get them maybe twice a season and like, they're still a menace because they're not around constantly. Mm. And like, I mean, we got seven, but I mean the actual collective. Sure. And I like that. That's the best way to make them mysterious. The more we learn, the less interesting they are. Yeah. And this blows that all away because we learn a bunch and it's all stupid. Yeah. I don't want to learn any of the things I learned about the Borg this week. No, but let, let's get into this. Like I, and one of the big things was your bad thing. <sighs> Because if we really take apart the part the Borg and the concept of the Queen and how it all works, it really comes down to your bad thing. Yeah. Okay. So there's a sh- there's a scene in this episode where the Borg Queen goes to you know Matrix Zero and talks to a small child. Because mm-hmm. fucking course. I I okay. Real quick before before you go off about this. In and of itself, I actually almost liked that. Mm. Like I hated the idea of it, and it was real hacky. But the basic just the the scene itself had a feeling of a fairy tale queen trying to like trying to tempt a little girl into coming into her candy house or whatever. You know what I mean? Peasant. Like But it it really did. Like suddenly the evil queen is is here in the fairy tale land with the little girl and that part I I kind of liked. Who is the fairest borg of them all? Well, right. Um you're all look pretty rough, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I there's so few good things to point out. I just wanted to point that out real quick. But but yeah. but please continue. Okay, so, like, and she specifically mentions, like, the kid asks, like, what happened to you? I got assimilated. What happened to your parents that fucking got assimilated? So, okay. So, how exactly was the queen assimilated? Like, the the queen's assimilated, and so are her parents. So, how did she become queen? Who decides to promote this one voice to the top of the pecking order? Like... I always assumed the queen was the face of whatever was actually controlling the Borg, but apparently not. Like, it's apparently just a single drone that gets promoted up to queenhood? Or is that well, a lie? That seems unlikely. I can't see the the queen lying to one of her drones, even if it is a rebel. Like, what the fuck is happening? Did you guys do any planning about this at all? Well, let, let, I mean, let's really think about that. Like, so you kind of assumed, it's not a bad assumption, I just want to be clear what, what you think, that she's sort of tied into the origin somehow like early in the early days an that, individual actually started the collective and she's at the front of it the queen in uh first contact specifically says when the borg speak i am the voice they speak with i always assumed right. that whatever the borg was she was like if the if the if the borg is like a brain that takes up like all of these drones or whatever she uh-huh. is whatever sort of controls that brain Okay, so she actually is an individual with a personality who started all this however long ago. I guess. And they all speak for her, is what you assumed. Yeah. I'm just, because I, I, I thought something slightly different. I just kind of want to look at this from different angles. I mean, like, the very concept, and we've talked about this tons of times, doesn't make any sense for a collective that, like, is supposed to all just be, you know, face, uh, like, a, a horde of faceless drones. But, like... No, I but I get it. We talked about this back in First Contact. We've talked about it every time this has come up. Mm-hmm. I never liked it either, but I get you're patterning them after like ants or bees, like some kind of insects yeah. that have that structure where most of them are drones, but there is one central figure that they sort of all work for. Yeah. I get that. But I just assumed that they created her. Yeah. As as like a collective but, decision to I, the thing I always sort of went that made it the most sense to me was that after Lacutus they sort of decided to do it again but with like no because of, she she specifically said to Picard I was the voice that made you be Lacutus yeah. in the first place so she was already there yeah like that was my assumption until they blew it out of the water in that in yeah. that movie right away right no so, it's not a bad assumption but it's yeah it's like, not, that's not it just it doesn't make any sense to me. 
And it makes no. and, and because it doesn't make any sense to me, it makes me angry and want to throw things. It feels like one of those classic Brandon Braga ideas that sounds good when you pitch it, and maybe even has a good visual tied to it. And really, the visual the first time of a Queen Borg, of mm-hmm. sort of a like let's be honest, sort of a leather dominatrix slash Borg. Yeah. Is not unappealing as as an image. Well, I and get the, like I can totally yeah. see Brendan Braga and Ron Moore getting excited. They're Borg, right? The Borg are like insects, right? So we'll give them a queen. Then yeah, we'll have like her head float or... in from above or whatever. It's a great visual. Yeah, and we have a movie budget, so we can make that look real good. Yeah, I get that. But when you really stop and pick it apart, it makes less sense every time. And again, the Borg, the more details you get, the less good they are mm-hmm. because the, the whole point is they're mysterious. And yep. now there's no such thing as mysterious, and it's no good. No, I mean, like, go back to that Q episode where the Enterprise just gets launched into, like, middle of nowhere and this fucking box appears out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. It's fucking great. Guinan describes them as they just want to consume you. There's no person there. Yeah. Like, that's all you know. They they just want your stuff and they'll kill the rest or throw the rest away. Yeah, and now we're, like, you know, 12 years later or whatever, and it's like... We've got a Borg working for us. Becoming a Borg is not really an issue anymore. You can basically just remove all the bits. Well, and that's that's my bad thing. We talked about this last time, but it bears repeating. Being assimilated, even if you took an aspirin for it first or whatever the fuck they ended up doing this episode. And also, huge cop-out, by mm-hmm. the way. We knew they were coming back, but to end on a giant dramatic, oh, no, they've been captured, and then, oh, but it's okay. They were prepared for this. They were wearing tinfoil hats or whatever. Yeah. Ugh, this is terrible. But... Uh, it, it it should not be this easy to walk away from. No. Picard and, Picard and Seven, two of the best characters in all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like, if you made a top 20 list of best Star Trek characters, they'd both be on it. And yep. they both have struggled with this in their arcs, overcoming that horrible, traumatic, like, life-changing experience, struggled for years. And these three guys will probably never even mention it again. Yeah. I, it's... It retroactively makes Best of Both Worlds not a big deal. It retroactively makes Seven not a big deal. Yeah. It, it's just like, oh, so it's not a big, you know, it doesn't really matter if you, as long as you take the Borg hat off real quick. Uh-huh. Or like the the episode with Hugh, which was like, I didn't like how Lore's Magic Castle resolved, but the initial idea of, yeah, this whole cube became individuals and it drove them insane because they can't deal with it. That yeah. was pretty cool. And now it's just like, well... Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you can just go back to normal and do your really complicated job of running a spaceship. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure, we put, like, a ton of weird technology in your fucking brain. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, just take two of these and call me in the morning. Also, some of you, uh, part of your brain is still completely normal the whole time. Uh Uh-huh. What? Yeah. Ah. Just terrible. The very idea of their plan being, well, we'll we'll sneak on board the on board by again letting them assimilate us. Are you insane? Also, that shouldn't work anymore. You know I they love... cut arms off, right? Like, yeah. So they I, can I put love... a, so they can put a shitty drill on there. Like, it's this is a bad idea. I I do love that it used to work. Like in the early TNG days of going on a Borg ship and they don't see you as a threat, so they ignore you. But oh. by this point. By this point, the cube should know better. The collective should know better, and they should not ignore any Starfleet guy they ever see. I'm st- I'm so sick of that fucking thing. Like it was great. I thought it was super cool at the beginning. It but is. Now they but should I'm, adapt. The boy, like yeah, exactly. Do. You know, foot in the door here for crying out loud. <laughs> exactly. Fucking uh, star. There's a guy in a Starfleet uniform on the ship. Yeah, they maybe, they're maybe definitely they up to some sneaky so shit. Often. Yeah, that could be. And they don't know. They don't know what we look like in these pajamas. 
oh, wait a minute. Our records say they don't wear these pajamas anymore, so these must not be Starfleet. No, these are Starfleet guys that left before they changed pajamas, so uh, we, all, we, we fooled you. Uh, I, it just none of it made any sense. It's fucking terrible. It, it really, really is. It t- it, and just, it irritates me so much. Yeah. I mean, the best thing I can go, I, we basically had the same good thing because it was so difficult to come up with mm-hmm. something because it was really just, I, I wasn't kidding in my summary when I said, this basically checks all the boxes for what I don't want to see in Star Trek. Like, unnecessary retcons, uh, filthy rebels, mm-hmm. uh, pseudoscience, dream bullshit. Like, yeah. Just, it, all, the, all the things I don't like the Star Trek does. Is in here. The, 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 sorry. The very, the idea of, like, Unimatrix Zero, which is not a real place. It's a no. fucking... It's not a real place, but then you can go in there and kill people. Yep. It can be invaded. Uh, yeah. I believe at one point someone talks about how they're uh, shoring up their borders or whatever, which... No, and they physically... Excuse me? There's, a, there's a lot of physical conflict. There's a lot of... Gathering weapons and and like uh, uh, mustering for uh, an ambush mm-hmm. and like like classic that Klingon's got his batleth, yeah, like physical world battle tactics, which shouldn't make sense in in a in a mind world. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in a world uh, of the mind. See now, if men talk, the mind taker was the queen. That would be okay. It'd be amazing. Lowers down from the from the thing, making that little squeak noise that he always made. <laughs> Like he, like he's on a dolly or something. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so much better. Mind taker. <laughs> but yeah, we both basically had the same good thing, like slightly different versions, so mm-hmm. it's not a cop out. But we both basically said, "Well, it looks pretty good." Yep, they definitely made some good looking. I'm going to actually argue with uh, with uh, you saying that Tuvok Bolan and Kate look good. I, I did thought not they think did. they did. Okay, that's fair. I, I I'm saying mostly their faces. I I saw your note where you said they like. The the body of them looks kind of baggy and they came out like those are the dumpiest goddamn Borg I've ever seen. (laughs) No, that's fair. I'm mostly like looking at the makeup job on their faces. Tuvok looks like the Tin Man. Eh, I didn't bother me. I thought they looked cool, but I I, I, I get you. I feel you. This Borg cube to search for a heart. Well, we have one right over here. (laughs) We got a whole box of them. Yeah. You want a heart? Yeah. (laughs) The first thing you do when you're assimilated is is rip out your heart and replace it with something cool. By the way, none of you have hearts anymore. (laughs) But we keep them because they're recyclable and maybe we can use them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. We're very efficient here. We don't just throw stuff away. We're sending them to a different race that's like us, only with uh, organics. Yeah. They're making a ball out of uh, skin, so, you know. Uh, I mean, Matt, you just described the Vidians, basically. Ah, fuck, I guess I did. (laughs) Dear Vidians, please enjoy this barrel of hearts. They, they meet up once a year to exchange, uh, hey, we got a little too much uh, biomechanical stuff we don't want. Yeah, we got too much organic stuff. All right, good. Good meeting. We'll see you again next year. <laughs> oh, an alarm just, clock. I can strap this to my hand. They they empty out each other's recycle bins once a year and <laughs> pick through like the garbage. It's like a big rummage sale. Yeah, it's like the Delta Quadrant neighborhood uh, yard sale. <laughs> but yeah, you, you uh, called out one particular Borg you thought looked cool. Uh, yeah, the, the Klingon Borg. Yeah. Um, so we got introduced to an actual Klingon in the last episode, and he shows up again in this to be grumpy and wave his bat leth around in the Klingon manner. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see him as a Borg, though, and 
as someone who's been waiting to see a non-human Borg for years, that was a pretty sweet payoff for me. We've seen a couple, but definitely not one this elaborate. We very rarely, most Borg just are humans in Borg suits. Sometimes they'll put like a Bajoran nose on them. You're right, though, like like of the more elaborate looking aliens, like a Ferengi or a Cardassian or a Klingon. We haven't seen any of those. You're right. And it it is cool. No, uh, that said, though, uh, when he's not a Borg, Mm -hmm. he is. And this is I I lay this squarely on uh, at the feet of uh, just Voyager's writers because they've written very few Klingons except Balana. The laziest Klingon I have ever seen. Oh, man. It was all it was all a warrior this and honor that. And like, seriously, every terrible fanfic that's seen where the author's seen three episodes of Next Gen. That's about their level of understanding of Klingons. Yeah, we get it. You like honor. Honor, warrior's death and honor. Oh, I have a bat left. Uh, Give me some Rectagino. And that's it. Yep. All right. Uh, Well, that's there you go. You cover. There you go. Three things a Klingon likes. And I don't care because this show's not supposed to have Klingons except for Bolana, who right. is a character and not just a Klingon, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna put him in there, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I, I owned little... the... <laughs> What's your name? Klingong. Yeah. I owned the Star Trek encyclopedia. I know there were resources. Like, like just look it up. Just It's not hard. Mm-hmm. Plus, surely some of your guys on staff worked on Next Gen. They probably know. Ron Moore but... won't return my calls. Oh well, he was already pissed off at this point. He's he's a lost cause. Ron, I got already... some questions about uh, about Klingons. Uh, yeah, you've reached Ron Moore's uh, mm. phone. Beep. I'm not available right now. Leave a message. He's um. Beep. He's working on the pitch for uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yep. At this point. Um, let's talk about what happened on Voyager because they took. Three of our favorite, and I think we're both on the same page here, three of our favorite characters and put them on the board cube. Yep. And so the bridge crew is like Chuck and Harry. Neelix is on the bridge at one of the stations doing things, which enraged me. I feel like like every time we cut back to the bridge and the B squad, I just tuned everything anyone was saying out. I mean, you got to pay attention for this, I guess, but I wasn't. I don't know that that's entirely necessary, Al. We need the listeners to think we do. <laughs> I This is a real thing that happened to me. I had an anxiety dream that we started recording and I was trying to bluff my way through not having watched Unimatrix Zero Part 2. Uh-huh. And I failed. Wow. But that's that's how much I didn't want to watch the episode is like, I, my mind was speculating. What if I didn't watch it and just faked my way through it? No, they could tell. Well, I'm pretty sure at this point we could have easily uh, bluffed our way through Unimatrix Zero. In fact, the, the, the listeners honestly don't know whether we did or not. I guess that's true, yep. and they never will. Yep. That's fair. Now, th- there was a point where Tom walks in uh-huh. uh, to uh, the ready room that uh, the Chakotay's was in, because he's uh, acting captain, and he informs him that b- by the, by the uh, you know, order of ranking or whatever, he's first officer, by which is fine. Tom, uh, yeah, Tom being first officer, totally fine. I, yep. mean, I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is that he has to tell Chakotay that. On a, on a real Navy ship, I'm pretty sure there's a guy whose job it is to keep track. Okay, the captain is left. That yep. means the first officer's in charge. That means this guy is now first officer, so so on, so on. Surely the computer keeps track of that now. Mm-hmm. But it's like Chuck reacted like this was news to him. Oh, I guess you are first officer. Like, how is that not known? Hey, buddy, just let you uh, know I'm first officer now. What? What? Yeah, how, how do you not know that? Oh, How do you not know what the ranking is when some people leave? That's very important information. I could just see I could just see Chuck going like, "Oh fuck, that's right. We promoted you back up last week. Son of a bitch." 
Yeah. Oh, I thought I was working with Harry. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. No, okay, let's nobody, do this. Nobody's disappointed by not having to work with Harry. I, I'm with your I'm with your imagined scene to that point, but that's where you lost me. Chuck just sends him on fetch quests all day. <laughs> but he put Neelix on the bridge. Go find me a clock. The thing the thing is, go go catch me a snipe. <laughs> That'll keep yeah, busy did you busy for a while. Did you know, we actually just got in a snipe crewman. Uh, go find him and bring him up to the bridge for me. Yeah, you need to bring him in this sack. Just uh, Oh, and here's, here's, here's a snipe stick. You need to scare him up with it. And you need you need to make the special snipe call, which is, <laughs> come beat me up with a bag of batteries. Just just keep screaming that. It's oddly accurate. Sure is. <laughs> Who can understand these weird alien cultures we're constantly meeting? Hmm. Yeah. No, it it was just weird to me that Tom had to tell him he was first officer. Like, did, doesn't someone know that already? No, no, it was a surprise to everybody. And it wasn't a terrible scene that, that, that Tom's like, you know what? You're always being like the the uh, devil's advocate, the, the voice of reason to, to Kate. Mm-hmm. And now it's my turn and we have some history. So this might be a little weird, but I need to tell you this. And mm-hmm. that, I, I didn't hate that. Yeah. Like, nice little character moment. And. It's hard for me to give Chuck credit, but it wasn't bad. I kind of like the idea of forcing Tom into be into like a real, uh, oh yeah, uh, like a real place of uh, responsibility. Yeah, because he's no, a fucking it be, idiot. It would be a good payoff of his arc. The yeah. thing is, he's he's very good at one thing. Mm-hmm. He's very skilled, but I don't think he's a good leader, and I don't think he's particularly good with people. I yeah. just think he's very good at piloting, and that doesn't necessarily make you. It's like. When you've been at a job for a long time and you become a manager, some mm. people aren't good at managing. They're yeah. just good at the job. You yep. know what I mean? Like, Cap- he's that guy. Captain Paris, the show that Captain Paris is in charge of would be like every parody of an original Trek uh, episode. It would be like The Office. Yeah. He would be Michael Scott. I mean, not as embarrassing, but just as <laughs> poorly suited to, to leading. I'm sorry. I, just, I declare red alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, and then Tuvok Harry is unfortunately the camera. No, I was thinking Tuvok would still somehow be on the ship and be he'd be the best choice for that. Yeah. Turning to the camera. Can you believe this shit? Perfect Vulcan deadpan. Mm-hmm. I didn't completely hate the Tuvok fighting off actual assimilation thing, but it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, there wasn't enough time devoted to that. That's a, honestly, that's something I would have liked to have spent more of the episode on. Yeah, because the one guy who would, is best suited for, like, fighting this off naturally is the one that was f- suffering the most. Because, mm-hmm. like, Vulcans are, you know, super mentally disciplined and all that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I, he was having trouble with it. And he, there were some cool moments where he's like, uh, what, what did he say? I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little it's, death that brings uh, all Something like that. Stay focused. Say Tuvok. That's what it was. I like that. It was, stay that's a good alert. Mantra. Stay safe. Yeah. But I like the... Sp- the specificity of it being stay Tuvok. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I start panicking, I'll just say, stay focused, stay Tuvok. Oh, God, I'm becoming Neelix. In ah! one of the worst transformation scenes since American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> just be like, uh, like the fly where my lung just falls out. Oh, no, I needed that. <laughs> into, oh, the no. medis- into the medicine cabinet with you. Yep. I Help see, I was me. Setting, you, you do love that penis in the medicine cabinet bit. Yep. It's like uh, your go-to reference. Well, it's like, you know, like, let's get, let's be real here. Who looks at their, at their penis that just fell off? It's like, well, I mean, medicine cabinet, I guess. That goes where my toothbrush goes. <laughs> well, the nice thing is he didn't need the toothbrush anymore because his teeth had all fallen out. Well, flies do See, Al, Brundlefly doesn't eat like regular people. He has to vomit on his food. 
You think you're a fly just like human guys. <laughs> but you're not a man. Yeah. You're a brundle you're fly. You're a brundle fly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Fly is a very good movie, ladies and gentlemen. I, it is. It definitely is. Uh, the Fly 2, less so. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I think we've about hit peak UN I, Matrix Zero. I mean, if you want, I can talk about why The Fly 2 is such a terrible concept after uh, uh, everything that happened in The Fly 1. No, that's okay. It goes completely against the what it goes completely against everything that happened at the end of that movie. But fine. No, we don't. We don't need to get into that. We're gonna have a lot of time to kill, like when we catch up on uh, on Discovery, and we're waiting for more Discovery. Maybe we could have that conversation then. Stay tuned for Flycast. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> the post atomic Brundle. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you forgot how you name podcasts. Oh, that's true. We do need the post atomic something. Yeah, of course. Otherwise, we're, we wouldn't be on brand. Well, we got to stay on brand. Hashtag brands. <laughs> Hashtag teens? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Hashtag tweens. Uh, my quote yes. has very little to do with any of this Borg nonsense. Uh, it's at the end. Uh, something we barely talked about. We talk, Again, I don't feel like we skipped anything because so much of the problems we had, we had last time. And I didn't want to repeat ourselves. Um... But there's that dude, what'd you call him, Ansel Adams? Ansel Adams, who's terrible. Seven's secret boyfriend that Mm -hmm. she's had this whole time. I did almost, they didn't do it right, but I like the idea of her having, it was almost like her internet boyfriend, because they met in this mental space, but physically he's like way in the beta quadrant, and they'll never actually meet. And I thought that could have been cool if they did it right, but they didn't. But near the end, Kate asks, like, as they're doing the sort of wrap up, like final act, like, okay, have we, have we like closed all the loose ends? Can we, can we rock it off into the distance? Can we laugh at uh, some vaguely racist joke about Spock, whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, and Kate says this. With any luck, the collective may never be the same. Korok said he would try to maintain contact. Keep us informed. Have you heard from your friend? No. Which I found super patronizing. She's like, uh, what about your little friend? <laughs> and we, we all often talk about how great it is that Kate is a mom. And I still think that. But that was that was in a bad way. That was that super, oh, so you got a little friend, do you? Just like, oh, Hey, man. buddy. Uh-huh. So did you, did you kiss? Ah, mom, mom, stop. Don't ask about whether or not I kiss. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm. 30 years old I don't want to talk about this Ugh. yeah all right I think I think we can finally just dust our hands and never speak of this again mm. these episodes never happened so long Unimatrix Zero it's the toilet for you we did our job yep. we talked we watched them as far as you know we talked about them mm-hmm. and now we're done with them yep uh, Matt why don't you now talk about the next episode which which I quite liked I think you did as well yes I did uh, Imperfection all right, so we join our heroes dropping off most of the bored kids at a friendly farming planet upstate where they'll be free and happy. And, oh, Echeb is apparently clung barnacle-like to Voyager and, like all children since the first, wants to be a Starfleet. Well, luckily, we don't have to care about that right now because Seven is getting oozy tear ducts. I assumed it was left over from Unimatrix Zero. God knows it made me want to weep. But no, it seems this Borg's... It seems that this Borg drone has a bad motivator, Uncle Owen. Kate leaps into action, searching all of space for a dead Borg whose head she can rob. Unfortunately, she instead runs afoul of some knockoff Kazon. I know, it's like the Chinese import of a Gobot. Blech. 
Anyway, the Doc and Paris run a bunch of simulations, and they're definitely damn sure that switching out Seven's brain really fast isn't going to do the trick. I mean, Borg drones aren't Vulcans, for God's sakes. They don't just have switchable brains. So then Ichem gets told all of this and offers up his implant, because he's a young Borg who don't need it anymore. Everyone's all, no, and you can't do that, and what about the rights of that little girl? So Ichem saves everyone some time and just yanks it out himself. So, with no other choice, the Doc jams it in Seven, crosses his fingers, probably sings a long song about the ocean, and boom! Seven and Ichev live to Borg another day, but hopefully not for a while. I'm about done with Borg for a few weeks. Well, like I said, it, assuming our listeners aren't lying to us, and they might be, because some listeners definitely like to see us suffer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been told by at least two different people who have seen ahead that this is it for the Borg for a while. Well, good. <laughs> and this doesn't really count because we'd never go into the collective. They don't retcon <sighs> anything. This is just Seven's broke, and that's fine. Yeah. No, and we, first of all, we dumped the Borg kids, which shocked me. They stayed gone. What I thought was we, because we dumped them in the teaser, like mm-hmm. at the very beginning. And I was sure part of the way to fix her would be to get them back. Yeah. And it was a nice bit of continuity that they're gone and they're just gone. And each ship, we've already dealt with the fact that he can't leave. Mm. So it makes sense that he stayed. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. Also, I I don't like to harp on the fact that like you spell things wrong because sometimes you spell things wrong. That's just a thing. Not no, a big I deal. T- I, I spell terribly. I know. It does, who cares? Like, like that's, that's not among your skills. You are a better joke writer than me. And I would I would trade you in a minute. <laughs> for being a better speller. <laughs> but that said, I did want to correct your spelling of Icheb because you spelled it three different ways. I figured <laughs> at least one of them had to be right. And, well, I, I'm sure you didn't know because it's not really a name. It's just some letters. Uh-huh. But I wanted to make sure the audience knew who you were talking about is the reason I went and corrected that. You know, Borg Boy. But you the, had, the amazing you had, Borg Boy. You had everything from Icheb to Ichem to Etchem. Etchem. Dr. Me- Dr. Meacham. Eric. Darcy. Con Min. Con Min. Boomhauer. But I, I, I just wanted to say, I, the only reason I changed it is so you would say Icheb so that the audience would know who you actually meant. You know, Icheb, Coco. <laughs> You're not going to top Brian. You are a better joke writer than me, but Brian kind of wins fake board kid names. Son of a bitch. I'll get you for this, Brian. But uh, I, I wish... The kid who played Icheb was a better actor because there's some great writing on his character. There is some great writing, and unfortunately, the character comes off as kind of a dope. I think that's the acting. He's got, like, this sort of slouchy, weird, corn-pone, redneck vibe to him, you know? And maybe that's an interpretation of him coming from a backwards, what did you say, beat the dirt with a stick farm planet? Uh, Maybe he thinks he's supposed to play it, though. But the thing is, like... Because Naomi was so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that he's a kid. It's just that he's not as good. Like, he shares so many scenes with Jerry Ryan, who yeah. is fantastic. And it, his his limitations really show because he's just not as good as she yeah, is. It, just, it seems like he, as a person, knows a lot about haystacks. <laughs> yeah. I actually liked that he wanted to join Starfleet. And the thing is, initially... Mm-hmm. I said my knee-jerk reaction was, that's a stupid idea. Why would you, like, I can think of five reasons why that wouldn't work. And they go through all the reasons. Mm -hmm. You know what? We're transmitting monthly things to Starfleet. Uh, In the next one, we will send my application. I can learn from you. I can learn from Tuvok. I can learn from Balana. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I guess that's not a bad idea. Mm Mm-hmm. And when he gets, when they get back to the Alpha Quadrant, then he can enroll. My, my only thing is, you know. It, it always feels like if you're a kid in Star Trek, you want to join Starfleet. Unless you're Jake, in which case you just want to sleep all day. Ah, fucking 
writer. Fucking writers. <laughs> I do. Why don't you get a I, real job, you fucking writer? Oh, I'm going to follow my dreams and write my novel. <laughs> I think you'll get com- nothing and like it. <laughs> ben wouldn't say that to him and you know it. <laughs> Ben is a very supportive dad. <laughs> very supportive of his loaf of a, of a son. No, that's what that's what I was getting at. Is Ben is such a supportive dad that he will encourage Jake to do to make a very stupid life choice because mm-hmm. he wants his kid to be happy. And uh, Ben, sorry, I love you to death. You're my favorite Star Trek captain, but a little tough love might might really save him a lot of pain. This kid's never going to move out. I'd better ascend to a higher plane. Yep. Well, Goodbye. fuck this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but all that said, it is interesting that Jake's the only one who didn't, and Jake's the only one who doesn't live on a starship. Mm-hmm. It's like it's 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 um Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, you live on a starship all the time. You get sort of ingrained into the cult of being on a starship, and you want to be part of it. And yeah, Jake was never on a starship for very long, so he didn't get that. Jake so. was in a place full of drama, so he wanted to be a writer. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's a whole lot of interesting shit going on. I should probably write about it. I mean, his best friend was related to one of the shadiest characters in, in the region. And then you had the uh, the, the Bejor with all the, the post-occupation stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he had a lot to look at. Yep. But, you know. Anyway. Whereas Nog was raised in a bar, so he wanted to grow up to be a waiter. Mm, I don't know. I was kind of raised in a bar and I didn't. I wanted to get out of the bar. Mm-hmm. No, that so, checks out then. Yeah. Anyway. Um, no, I didn't hate that each had wanted to do that. Um, he did have some, like, uh, the Wesley comparisons are unavoidable. And really, the sweaters they're putting him in yep. feel like these were in the props, or these were in the costume closet from the Will Wheaton days. We thought this was too ugly for Wesley, but it's still here. So uh, put it on each What the hey, hell? Here you go, each This will make you look like Wesley. Well, like, golly. It was like double Wesley. Mm-hmm. But again, I do like that the board kids left yep. like that. Not even I didn't even hate them that much. I was willing to say, OK, they had one bad episode, but I bet they could come back from that. Yeah. And I, I didn't I wasn't writing them off just yet. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a bold choice to say we introduced you to four new characters and three of them are gone now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, no, I and, you know, that was a nice end to their arc, too, where it's like, here, we got you. A, we got we found your parents. Yeah. And we, the parents we said take we would the other ones. So we, we said we would, and we did. Mm-hmm. Usually we say something and then completely forget about it. But uh, no, we we really pulled it off this week. Could work us. Also, it was a nice, like, I talk a lot about the, the, the formula of this show and how after seeing so much, you know, we've seen 600 some episodes of Star Trek. I can usually see what's coming a mile away because they'd use the same tricks. This episode really subverted that because we had the tearful goodbye in the first three minutes and it felt like the end of the episode and it yeah. really it really threw me off because like wait a minute she's saying goodbye to these what wait huh wait, wait, what the hell's gonna happen done? now oh my god and a couple of times i checked the time not because i was bored but mm. because i i wasn't real clear like okay so it's over wait no and this was this was paced in a really interesting way because mm. i i just never quite knew what happened next and it was a nice like i say subversion of their usual formula mm-hmm. i was i was i was pleased with that but really, my good thing. Yes. This is one of those times where we knew there weren't any actual stakes. Like, that's another thing we talk about a lot. Like, okay, Seven's not going to die, so who cares? We knew they weren't going to kill her. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the episode was about. It's not the, her inevitable death. What they did was they used it as an excuse to get inside her character, like, get inside her head, learn about her character, and explore the relationship she has. And 
everything was fine at the end. But in the meantime, we got a lot of really great scenes between her and, and various people. Oh, and yeah. Really learned how far she's come. And and specifically, I want to call out. I wanted to save this because I figured it'd be your good thing. Mm. This is why I didn't say this in, in my notes here. But the scene between her and Balana. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. Amazing. Like, we've talked about this a lot, and I like it. I like that Balana's been the one holdout. Like, everyone's kind of warm to Seven, and she's like, no, fuck her. Fuck the Borg. Fuck her. I don't like her. And this was the moment where Seven was a little vulnerable, and and she starts talking to Balana, and Balana opens up. And for the first time, and it was totally natural and believable, Mm -hmm. they had a moment, and it was a long moment. It wasn't like a five-second scene. It went on for a good five minutes, and it was such a good, for the first time, we don't hate each other and I feel kind of bad that you're dying. And I, it was so good. Yeah, no, it was, it was amazingly well. And like this, this, this shit's been a long, long time coming. Yeah. And it could have been like this show often sort of ignores the character's histories for what's convenient, but mm-hmm. whoever wrote this clearly had an idea, like remembered. Oh, right. Alana doesn't like her. Yeah. And they paid that off. Like it was an arc and not just like, uh, this is convenient this week. Yeah. And it felt like a natural progression. It of felt completely like earned, it. you know? Yeah, like, it absolutely did. Yeah. And I, that was one of the best scenes I've seen in the show in a long time. I mm-hmm. really liked it a lot. And the scene, the couple scenes between her and Kate were great too, but the Bellana scene in particular just, you know, really did something for me. And again, we knew she wasn't going to die. So the stakes weren't, will she die or not? The stakes were, how much is she going to open up to these people? How vulnerable is she going to let herself be? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's really what it was about. See, the thing is, like, you, you know, you know she's not going to die, but this episode is good enough that I keep forgetting that. That's what I'm saying. Like, like in, a, in a poorly written episode, the writer will keep making the audience, like, like the drama is, will she die? And no. No. She's in the main credits. Of course not. You pay her well too written- well. In a well-written episode, you can put the same situation in there, but the focus shifts, so mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. The, the drama is, you know, what's she going to do? Who's she going to talk to? What's yeah. going to happen? And this was a well, like, well-constructed on that level. I and I, I love just the ver- the concept of Seven dying works so well for her as a character. Yeah. Just like, just as someone who's just like, well, I've only been a person for a couple of years now. Yeah, and I, I'm clearly an atheist. I don't believe in any kind of afterlife or anything, mm. so I'm done. Yeah. Like, I only had a brief life, and now it's done already. Ugh. Jesus. I was know? so better than all of you, and now I'm going to die. Ugh. Yeah. No, and it's a story you could only tell with this character, which is always a good sign for me. Mm-hmm. Whenever whenever you tell a story that could just as easily have been about Tuvok or whoever, it's like, ah, oh, well, that's pretty good. Or, you no, know, is- Jordy or Data. Like, Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is this is only a seven story. Yeah. Which I like. And once again, we're in that weird area of we could also cannibalizing Borg corpses to try to fix her was pretty badass. Okay, I love this is my good thing. Fucking fucking Kate will kill the fuck out of some Borg if it means she can save her friend. Oh, yeah. All these other times she's been wringing her hands about, do we have the right to kill the Borg? But this is a situation where that just goes out the window. Oh, oh, my buddy needs a new fucking uh, needs a new motivator. Yeah. Well, fuck, fuck all this morality. This is a whole different thing. Find me a fresh Borg that I can pluck the thing from. Yep. I'll rip it right out of their still beating head. Hell, if I was beating head. Yeah. Okay. If hell, if I was still a Borg, I'd rip out my own motivator. Here, if I'd known, I would have kept it. Yep. No, I really like that. And there's a scene where they're going like through a f- field of Borg debris and yep. picking through the corpses, and like is super morbid and, and cool. Like mm-hmm. 
okay, well, you know what? These are these are machine guys with interchangeable parts. Maybe we can find the part we need. Yep. That, that's a cool idea. But then that kind of leads into your bad thing, because when they're there... Oh, yeah, guess who they stumble upon while they're going through a, a disused haunted board cube? I don't think they're who you think they are. They look... Okay, so these guys look Kazon as fuck. If they're not Kazon, then they are, like, professional Kazon cosplayers, which is somehow worse. <laughs> they're Kazon impersonators, like Elvis impersonators. Oh, uh, yeah, man, I'm, uh, uh Captain Kazon. <laughs> Yeehaw, man. No, man. Now watch as I uh, jump this uh, peanut butter sandwich over a uh, flaming trash can barrel. Or, or they're, uh, they're, they're like Kazon's helpers. They're like, the Kazon are Santa. And these guys are the Kazon they sent out into the galaxy to be like their helpers. Well, sweetie, you know, the Kazon can't be everywhere. They're very busy. So they have helpers that can go to the mall and talk to you. They look like shitty Klingons, which is a good description of Kazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that, that should be the only thing on their memory alpha entry, honestly. Shitty Klingons. Shitty Klingons. Even had it underlined. <laughs> Mostly harmless. <laughs> I, wait, you, sp- you spent seven years watching Voyager and all you came up with was mostly harmless? <laughs> well, I added the mostly. It was better than what it used to be. Yeah. No, um, I, but they also, the attitude, it was part of their look, but partially their attitude. I do like that there's a race of scavengers who sort of claim, like, because that's a, that's a, that's a seagoing, like, if you're telling stories with naval stuff, with mm. boats and everything, that's definitely a thing, like sure. salvage rights and all that. We haven't done a lot of that, so it's cool that there's a race of sort of scavengers who want to pick through the debris and say, this is ours, we claimed it by whatever right you were not aware of, mm-hmm. but they looked and acted terrible. Yeah, like, well, the concept too- the concept was cool, though. <coughs> yeah, well, that's too fucking bad, because I need a battery for my friend's head. Yep. We're out of AAAs. This is the only place I can get them. There's no Radio Shack in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> Ugh. So sad. Well, there is. There is, but they want to ask for my address, and, like, Alpha Quadrant uh, zip codes aren't in their system, and it's a whole thing. Why do you want to know where I live so badly, Radio Shack? Yeah. What? What's your angle? Listen. I don't like days- that you have access to all... I don't like that you have access to all this 1980s technology, and you want to know where I live. <laughs> Look, one day in, in like, the, the second decade of the 21st century, you're going to go out of business, but mm. until then, I got my eye on you. <laughs> No, they they were they were shitty. They definitely were shitty. But I do like, like I like the concept. I like mm-hmm. that, especially the Borg who have you know the the best technology. All well, I be, mean, all of the technology really. Yeah, there's going to be lesser races who find a debris field and say, "Oh shit, yeah, I want to pick through that." There's got to be something good in there. That's pretty cool. But just these guys were not the best. Like they, it felt like they were trying to create a new uh, recurring race and and they failed. Yeah, we're the garbage pickers yeah I don't yeah even that's think they not said, that's not interesting enough that we're gonna stick around i don't even think they said who they were they just like you get away from my garbage <laughs> my garbage no if it was garbage that if that guy showed up that'd be cool just flying around in a giant dumpster yeah the dumpster people yeah of dumpster six <laughs> dumpster six <laughs> no that's the skeletor plan no that's right or eternia as it is known what do you think, Manny Faces? <laughs> don't get that. Don't get me started on that. Oh, Just good. Into- Mecha Neck is here <laughs> with his mechanical neck. Stop it. And who's My that? Weakness. Why it's Grizzlore, the Grizzly Man. And don't forget Moss Man, who smells like one of those trees you hang in your car. Moss Man, who is Beast Man sprayed with a flocking gun. <laughs> but he smells faintly of pine. Yep. 
And who else is that? Why it's Stinkor, the skunk man. <laughs> yeah, okay. The These are all real. Minutes. Look him up on Google. The, the last 10 minutes of the show should not be me giggling about He-Man names again. <laughs> so let's talk about my bad thing. Fisto! <laughs> okay. All right, that's it. So once again, I saw you yelling about this too. Uh-huh. Once again, they got us invested in a scene, seven surgery, when they when they think they might have a fix for it. Yep. And then pulled the rug out by saying it was a hologram and everything was fine. I am so, so, so tired of that stupid fake out. Oh, yeah, that was horse shit. And it, it took a long time, too. Like, it seriously felt like just, uh, we got uh, we got to fill three minutes. Yeah, they played out the surgery like, this is it. This is the surgery. Is she going to live? She died. Well, uh, okay, obviously she didn't die. Mm. But then it's like, oh, no, this was just end simulation. Uh, fuck you. Quit. Just quit with the holodeck. Just quit it. No, Enough. stop it. Yeah. Bad overall, Voyager. Overall, I liked exploring Seven's relationships with all the various characters, uh, unless and until we get to Neelix, who for some reason became her best friend. Ah, oh, it's uh, just here to play some of that, uh, what is Cotis it called? Cotiscon. Something like that. I'm like, no, no, this is a Naomi Wildman thing. Absolutely. Could you, could you I, not Where get the fuck her? was Naomi? Like, yeah. I like, I honestly do like that Echeb was part of this, but Naomi should have been right there too. Yeah. But Neelix, like, bringing her flowers and playing board games with it? Go away. The flowers especially were just like, what What did you think I was going to do with these? Although yeah. I do like her, I will admire them later. Now, there were a lot of good Seven, like, sort of exploring her arc of how far she's come. Mm-hmm. She didn't shoot people down by being cruel. There was a lot of social niceties, strained social niceties. The thing Thank I like about the, I, the thing I like about I will admire them later is that I genuinely believe that she well, it's three o'clock. It's, I it's set, flower admiring time. I guess I better admire the flowers for a while. My uh my hmm. my uh my my itinerary now says uh three o'clock to three oh five admire flowers. No, these are pretty nice. Yep. Alright. That was fun. Now what's the next thing on the list? Ugh, yeah. admire flowers some more. Alright. Oh man. Select Vaz. Yeah. <laughs> use Vaz on Neelix. Yeah, oh, that was satisfying. Oh, use Vaz on Neelix again. Yeah. That was pretty good. I can't pick that up. It's a broken Vaz. <laughs> there was some good, um, there was some good, like, Kate, uh, later in the episode, there were a few situations where uh, different specialists had to handle, like, uh, Tom had to do some uh, piloting. Mm-hmm. And somebody else might have been Bolana. I don't remember. Somebody else had their specific job to do. Oh, it was the doctor during the surgery bit. A couple of times where Kate clearly was not the expert in the field and stepped back mm-hmm. and let people do their thing, which is good leadering. But in addition to that, there was a cute bit where Tom is like, uh, increase the shields by 5%. And she said, yes, sir. And like, it was funny and it mm-hmm. was a little, it was a little teasing, but she also did it. She yeah. wasn't like, she wasn't like, shut up, don't boss me around. She's like, yeah, you're running this mission, but hey, I'm the captain guy. Let's not get too cute about this. Yeah, come on. It was, it was a nice little moment. And I, Kate always sells those. I, sir. <laughs> Just cute. Whatever you say. Yep. I guess you're the boss right now, uh-huh. Mr. Paris. So. Mr. Paris. <laughs> Uh, oh, we had, uh, speaking of, uh, going back to the hologram thing, we had another of those Star Trek things I'm real sick of seeing, which is asking where a character is and finding their communicator badge. 
Yeah, we, we've talked about this a bunch of times. At the very least, when they're on the ship, the computer should be able to find them by their, uh, by their biology, like, biology yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah, like, especially I her. She's the... She's one of two Borg. It yeah. should be able to narrow down. This is one of two people with nanoprobes. The only female. It's her. Mm-hmm. Like that the, should be easy. The combat thing is because it's so easy to to you know fix. Take it off. Yeah, take it off. Problem solved. Yeah. Yep. No, and and early in next gen, it was like okay, someone outsmarted it. Going forward, they should have a, a way to do this. Yeah, after the eightieth time it's happened, it's like oh, we should probably maybe not do that anymore. Yeah, I'm real sick of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a bit. Okay, she thinks she's dying. She's like kind of settling her affairs, and she follows up with Echeb about his Starfleet thing. And she's like, "Okay, Bellana will teach you about engineering. Uh, the captain will teach you about this. Uh, Ensign Kim claims that he's good at this. <laughs> That's all she says. Yep. She's like, Bellana is the best engineer I know. The captain is good at this. Ensign Kim says he's good at this. Harry is available. Yeah." I mean, Harry is always available. What does he have going on? It's a good way to word it where it's not exactly insulting him, but it's Mm -hmm. clear she doesn't believe him. Yep. It's perfect. And then there's Harry. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely an option. At one point, Seven's talking about um, going back to Earth and what she'd like to see if she ever made it there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kate says she grew up on a farm. And I, I can't picture that. Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I believe her. It was probably in her bio from day one. Like, I don't mm. think they just made it up for this. I just can't picture, like, Catherine Janeway being comfortable and happy on a farm. Yeah, right? Like, she's, she seems like she'd be so tired of that. I mean, that maybe, like, I can understand growing up on a farm and wanting to leave to go to, oh, to yeah. Starfleet. But, uh, like, like, boy, like I love her. this farm, but I also want to go into space. What? Yeah. I feel, I, I mean, Kirk, definitely. Like, like. Uh, even pre Abrams, I feel like like prime Kirk still mm-hmm. grew up on a farm in Iowa and wanted to get out at the first chance. Yeah. And Kate, at best, I can picture her on top of the barn with a, with a cool telescope. Yeah. Like the only benefit of being out in the middle of nowhere is that you you can like watch the stars. That's Do you remember it. where she said she where what state she was from? Because I don't remember. Uh, somewhere in the middle. It wasn't Iowa because Kirk's from there and they're not from the same place. But like mm-hmm. Indiana, I think Kentucky. Now, I think it's Indiana. All right, I'll take it. One of the one of the Midwestern, not Southern, like Midwestern uh, states. We named the state think... Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh... I think um at the end, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a really bold move if they'd killed each other. I could see that. I don't. I feel like that that would be tough for Seven to walk away from, and I feel like it would be really tough. For this show, uh, just because they would like it, that's a thing that they that would need to carry on to another episode. And yeah, and they'd Voyager never refuse to do that. That's true, but I do feel like we obviously knew everything was going to be fine. Like I said, mm-hmm. and he donated a part, and everything was fine. I thought I thought it would have been a nice like last emotional blow. Yeah, if he sacrificed, like as he was talking about his bright new future, if he then sacrificed that to save her. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Voyager is incapable of making that work, so it's honestly yeah. better that's that they true. don't do it. That's true. But this, I mean, this worked pretty much on every level. Like, yeah. all our all our faults with it, I think, were pretty minor. Like, it was a really solid character episode. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. Great uh, fucking seven episode. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I got a quote. What do you got? I got uh, seven not wanting to die from that scene with Milana. What about you? 
the Borg have no concept of an afterlife. However, when a drone is deactivated, its memories continue to reside in the Collective's consciousness. As long as the Hive exists, so will a part of that drone. You don't seem to take much comfort in that. My link to the Collective has been severed for nearly four years. If I die, everything that I've accomplished in that time, everything I achieved as an individual, will be lost. My memories, my experiences. It will be as if they... as if I never existed. That's a fantastic scene. Mm -hmm. I would have included that entire scene and not known where to stop. Yep. On and on. great. Also, she asked her if she thought Stovacor was real. Uh, she she literally went there. She went there for real. Mm-hmm. So yes, obviously it's real. Yep, I it's mean, real. That, boring is what it is. That was stupid and terrible, but it did happen, and we have to acknowledge that it happened. Mm-hmm. We can't ignore it. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Um. So what happened was we had the Emerald City Comic Con recently. Mm. Uh, Matt, I, we, this was dropped in our laps sort of at the last minute. They told us we couldn't make it. And then they said, uh, actually, you can. We're creating a new sort of podcast area that you can be in. They dropped it in my lap less than a month to go for the show. And it was too late for Matt to get off work, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, he couldn't make it. But I was there. Uh, a bunch of us that, who are on the show regularly. Amanda was there. Bob, uh, Tidro, and uh, Caitlin. There are some great pictures of us cosplaying. We, we picked a day and we all did our Star Trek stuff. Yep. I just put on the, the green Kirk wraparound, which I think I look pretty good in, but there was the least amount of effort of anyone. Just put on a shirt. That's all I did. Like, I like it, but didn't take much effort. On the other hand, um, Amanda, uh, Bob is is working on uh, making uh, uh, prosthetics and stuff. Like, he's he's working on, uh, you know, doing that for money kind sure. of thing. Uh, and he made her some fantastic Vulcan ears. Uh, and, but the, the real, uh, the real crown jewel of all this was he made uh, special, uh, the actual Borg implants so that Caitlin, who's been mm-hmm. on the show a few times could cosplay a seven of nine and she kicked ass. Yeah. Like Bob's prosthetics were great, but also, um, I can't, I seriously, she was so good. I kept wanting to call her seven. I know what her name is. <laughs> hey, seven. Uh, sorry. Caitlin. Could Kate- you- <laughs> but I mean, she had the, she had the, 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 uh, the jumpsuit. And she had the, the the thing on her hand, and she had the thing over her eye, and, and did her hair right. She looks so good. Uh, if you go to our Tumblr, postomicor.tumblr.com, there are some pictures that Amanda took of all of us, and so good. Also, Amanda dressed as female Romulan commander from the Enterprise incident, mm-hmm. uh, and Tidro made her a dress, and so good. Yeah, really so fantastic. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back to Caitlin for a sec. Uh, she came and sat next to me at the table for a while, and suddenly our traffic picked up dramatically. You don't say. And the thing is, I am I am sort of like like morally against the idea of a booth babe of someone just there to look pretty to lure in people. I, mm-hmm. I find that offensive. Oh yeah. But the thing is, she did look pretty, and also she's a guest on the show, mm-hmm. so that's different. Hey, you know what? She's part of the post atomic horror team. She's not just here to lure you in. She's also part of what we're do- what we do. Mm-hmm. So that made it okay. So I kind of, you know, best of all worlds there. But yeah, check that out on our Tumblr. There's some fantastic pictures there. Uh, the other thing is because uh, Emerald City happened, uh, we recorded our supplemental a week earlier than usual. And a lot of you probably didn't know that. And we have a ton of mail now. Like we have like 10 pieces of mail here that we weren't able to get to because they didn't come to us yet. Mm-hmm. And so for the next little while, we're going to be answering one of these uh, per episode till we get through them. Uh, so, so they don't have to wait three more months. Yeah. So, uh, 
it won't make the show like 10,000 years long. We're only going to answer one at the end of every show until, until we're caught up. So, uh, so, so why don't you crack one open now? Yeah, this one, uh, uh, you know which one I'm doing first. Yes. This one comes from Richard, who has done us several fantastic songs mm-hmm. for us. Uh, and, and he's done another one here. Uh, he says, Dear Post-Atomic Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> My bad thing, of course, is Neelix even though he's probably hailed as a genius in a country that rhymes with pants. No offense. No, I think the French hate Neelix also. <laughs> My good thing is that when I'm done enjoying this show, I can listen to Contentment Corner. Oh, he's, he's putting in a plug for my other show. That's not why I read this, but uh, hey. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> totally you say, Al. A totally different but equally yeah. wonderful show, which our hosts can tell you all about. Yeah, contentmentcorner.com. It's a, a, a comedic soap opera. Uh, with full voice cast, Matt's in it sometimes. A lot of other people are in it. It's, mm-hmm. it's I, I'm really proud of it. Uh, Richard goes on to say, I've also included a short clip from Neelix's shipwide variety show, Getting Greasy with Neelix mm. and the Solid Grease Dancers, because that's a thing now. Your pa pal, Richard. I think I'm going to throw up a little bit. So I, I sent this to Matt earlier in the week because I couldn't wait. Yep. And it is so good. And that, that's we're going we're gonna to take you out uh, with that. Like, uh, I'm just going to play the song and then go right into the credits. Mm. So, uh, this is, this is our friend Richard. Uh, there's, if you go to postatomichorror.com, there's actually a whole, uh, uh, post that I set up just collecting all his songs. Cause he's done enough of them now. This is like number five or six mm-hmm. and they're all great, but this one, this one is something special. And, uh, so here it is. They call me Greasy Neelix, and I'm here to declare that I'm missing lots of organs and I cook with hair. I'm supposed to guide the ship as they travel through the void, but I'm just about as useless as a half betazoid. I won't win your war, and I won't bring you peace. The one thing I can tell you is there's gonna be some grease. Number one in the hood, G. And the G is for grease. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.